Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered him and said, Should a wise man answer with windy knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Now, I mean, these guys are going at Job really, really hard. Now, he's been pretty hard on them too, yes. Should he argue with unprofitable talk or in words in which he can do no good? But you are doing away with the fear of God and hindering meditation before God. No, he's not. Job has done nothing to destroy the fear of God. Now, he's spoken some bitter words, yes. And he's hindered the meditation before God. No, he's not stopping people reaching out to God. For your iniquity teaches your mouth. Ah. And you choose the tongue of the crafty. Wow. So he's saying, your sin is telling you what to say. But God said, Job is blameless. It was not iniquity teaching his mouth. It was pain. It was grief. It was hurt. And you choose the tongue of the crafty. No, no, he did not. Your own mouth condemns you and not I. Your own lips testify against you. Are you the first man who was born? Or were you brought forth before the hills? Have you listened to the counsel of God? Do you limit wisdom to yourself? No, not pride. It's hurt. And what do you know that we do not know? And what do you understand that is not clear to us? Both the gray-haired and the aged are among us older than your father. Are the comforts of God too small for you or the word that deals gently with you? Why does your heart carry you away? And why do your eyes flash? No, why are you angry? That's literally what that means. That you turn your spirit against God and bring such words from your mouth. Okay, true. This is true. Job has been speaking some pretty harsh things about God. What is man that he can be pure, or he who is born of a woman that he can be righteous? Behold, God puts no trust in his holy ones, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. Not true. God does put trust in his holy ones. Again, these are the words of the devil. Remember the last time he spoke? How much less one who is abominable and corrupt, a man who drinks injustice like water? I will show you. Hear me. And what I have seen I will declare. Wise men have told without hiding it from their fathers to him to whom alone the land was given and no stranger passed among them. The wicked man rises in pain all his days through all his years that are laid up for the ruthless. All right. Again, condemnation. They saw his suffering as proof of his sin, and it's not. Dreadful sounds are in his ears. In prosperity, the destroyer will come upon him. They, they said all of this, all of this was his fault. Now, now, brothers and sisters, you have to be very careful about this. There's many Christians that have hard times, and they're good people, and they haven't done anything wrong. They're not reaping what they've sowed but there's just an ugly devil out there. He does not believe that he will return out of the darkness. He is marked for the sword. He wanders abroad for bread, saying, Where is it? He knows that a day of darkness is ready at his hand. Distress and anguish testify him, and they prevail against him like a king ready for battle. 
Because he stretched out his hand against God and defies the Almighty, running stubbornly against him with a thickly bossed shield. Wow. So they thought Job was against God. Job was not. He was hurt. He was bitter. He was in pain. But Job wasn't defying God. Job wasn't against God. But that's what these people said. Because he has covered his face with fat and gathers fat upon his waist, and has lived in desolate cities and houses that no one should inhabit, which were ready to become heaps of ruins, he will not be rich, and his wealth will not endure, nor will his possessions spread across the earth. Okay, so they said, Job, no hope. Job, there is no hope for you. Sounds like David when people said there is no hope for him in God. Let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will become his payment. Again, no hope. It will be paid in full before his time, and his branch will not be green. He will shake off his unripe root like a vine and cast off the blossom like an olive tree. For the company of the godless is barren, and fire consumes the tents of bribery. Wow. Godless, bribery, they conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Their womb prepares for deceit. Now, brothers and sisters, you can see why at the end of this story, God comes out and says, now, Job, you need to go pray for these guys. <laughs> They'd said some very bad things against Job, and they were going to reap. Because a man is judged by his own word, Jesus said. They were going to reap what they have sowed with all of this condemnation that they poured, an accusation that they poured upon him. Now, before you think this is too strange, remember the inspiration of these guys, the devil. We showed you that a couple of days ago. Now, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren, and they inspire all of this accusation. But at the end of the story, yes, God gets after Job about his bad attitudes, okay? But he also makes him pray for these guys that they'll be blessed. Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters. <laughs> Miserable comforters are you all. <laughs> you know, at some point, Job just said, man, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of your condemnation and your accusation. He said, shall windy words have an end? Or what provokes you that you answer? He said, I could also speak as you do if you were in my place. I could join words together against you and shake my head at you. I could strengthen you with my mouth and the solace of my lips could assuage your pain. If I speak, my pain is not assuaged. And if I forbear, how much of it leaves me? Surely now God has worn me out. He has made me desolate, all my company. No, Satan did this. Now, remember in chapter 1 and 2 how Satan was always trying to make God the one who did it? God, you do this. God, you do this. It's amazing how Satan always wants to make God blamed for all the bad stuff. Satan wants to take all the credit for good things in the world. But it's exactly the opposite. He has shriveled me up. No, he hasn't. Which is a witness against me. And my leanness has risen up against me. It testifies to my face. He has torn me in his wrath and hated me. God did not. 
He gnashed his teeth at me, and my adversary sharpens his eyes against me. Not true. But you see, when we've gone through a season of pain, and we, we've gone through all these people saying good things about God, and all of this stuff is our fault, and God's mad at us, it has an effect upon our thinking. And listen to Job. He said, God has torn me in his wrath and hated me. God did not. God was proud of him. Go back to keep Job 1 and 2 very clearly in your mind. Men have gaped at me with their mouth. They have struck me insolently on the cheek, and they mass themselves together against me. God gives me up to the ungodly and casts me into the hands of the wicked. No, he did not. I was at ease. He broke me apart. He seized me by the neck. He dashed me to pieces. He set me up as his target. Not true. God never did any of this. But again, the bitterness of Job's heart is speaking, which is why the correction at the end of Job is so strong. God corrects him because he said a lot of bad things about God that just aren't true. But brothers and sisters, this is, forgive me, but straight talk, this is some of your heart right now. Man, you have walked through hard times in these last five or six months. Now, some of you, this, is, this has been an inconvenience, but you're okay. But some of you, my goodness, you've walked through hard times. And if you're not careful, all of a sudden you begin to get this guilt and shame and bitterness in your heart, and you think that God is doing all this to you. And you begin to say these things to God. God's not doing these things to you. His archers surround me. He slashes open my kidneys and does not spare. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks me with breach after breach and runs upon me like a warrior. Wow. God does not attack you. God does not attack you. See, a good comforter would have sat down with him and said, Job, 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 please. God's not doing this to you. God is good and his mercy endures forever. This, this is not God. Reach out to God. He's your solution. He's your healer. He's your provider. He's your deliverer. He's your restorer. I have sewed sackcloth upon my skin and have laid my strength in the dust. My face is red with weeping and my eyelids in deep darkness. Although there is no violence in my hands and my prayer is pure. Eh, I don't know. He, he'd been saying some pretty bad things about God. O earth, cover not my blood. Let not my cry. Let my cry find no resting place. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and he who testifies for me is on high. My friends scorn me. Wow. My eyes pour out tears to God. Now, there's quite a statement, and that's true. He said, my friends scorn me. These, these guys that are supposed to encourage me, they're terrible comforters. They scorn me. They, they, they just belittle me and, and accuse me. He said, my eyes pour out tears to God. Now, I want to park on that one for just a minute. God sees every tear that you ever cry. Sometimes your tears are to God. You need to think about that a little bit. 
didn't say I, I, my eyes pour out tears to people to see like an actor or an actress. My eyes pour out tears to God. That he would argue the case of a man with God as a son of man does with his neighbor. For when a few years have come, I shall go away from which I shall not return. Job chapter 17, verse 1. My spirit is broken. My days are at strength. The graveyard is ready for me. He said, I'm ready to die. He said, I'm ready to die. But now this first part, my spirit is broken. That's pretty strong. His spirit was broken. A broken spirit. Now th this is quite a study in the Bible. Sometimes do a phrase search on broken spirit. Surely there are, see when a person's spirit is broken, they've given up the will to live. You've often heard doctors say, we've done everything we can do, now they have to fight. They're talking about man's spirit, that they're not going to die, they're not giving up. But when the spirit is broken, people will just die for no reason. This is a huge study. Surely there are mockers about me, and my eyes dwell on their provocation. <laughs> okay, these friends are mockers, and my eye dwells on their provocation. This is what he could see. He said, all I can see is these people provoking me. Lay down a pledge for me with yourself. Who is there who will put up security for me? Since you have closed your hearts to understanding, therefore you will not let them triumph. He who informs against his friends to get a share of their property, the eyes of their children will fail. Wow. This is betrayal. He who informs against his friends to get purpose, a share of their property, the eyes of his children will fail. Wow. He said, these guys, forgive me, these guys are vultures. These guys, all they want is what I've got. He has made me a byword of the peoples, and I am one whom men spit. My eye has grown dim from vexation, and all my members are like a shadow. The upright are appalled at this, and the innocent stirs himself against the godless. Yet the righteous holds his sway, and he who has clean hands grows stronger and stronger. Well, this is true. This is a very good statement. Yet the righteous holds to his way. I'm not, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to break. Holds to his way. He who has clean hands grows stronger and stronger. You know, sometimes in life you don't know who's right and who's wrong. Watch who grows stronger and stronger. Did you hear what I just said? Watch who grows stronger and stronger. Holds to his way. You don't bend. You don't bend. You don't bow. You don't break. But you come on again, all of you, and I shall not find a wise man among you. My days are past. My plans are broken off. The desires of my heart. Okay, I'm ready to die. My days, my plans, the desires of my heart. They make night into the day, the light they say is near to darkness. If I hope for Sheol as my house, if I make my bed in darkness, 
If I say to the pit, you are my father, and to the worm, my mother, or my sister, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? Will I go down to the bars of Sheol? Shall I? Shall we descend together into the dust? Chapter 18, verse 1. Then Beldad, the Shuhite answered, How long will you hunt for words? Consider, and then we will speak. <laughs> Here's the rebuke. Another wonderful comforter. Why are we counted as cattle? Why are we stupid in your sight? Well, because you are. Sorry, <laughs> because you are. You know, everything you're saying is wrong. You who would tear yourself in your anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you or the rock be removed out of its place? Indeed, the light of the wicked is put out and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent and his lamp above him is put out. His strong steps are shortened and his own schemes throw him down. Okay, so here is again accusation. His own schemes. I said, Job, this is all your fault. Your own schemes have destroyed you. For he is cast into the net by his own feet, and he walks on its mesh. A trap seizes him by a heel. A snare lays hold of him. A rope is hidden for him in the ground. A trap for him in the path. Terror frightens him on every side and chase him at his heels. His strength is famished and calamity is ready for his stumbling. It consumes the parts of his skin. The firstborn of death consumes his limbs. Remember, Job is full of boils an infection. Okay? They're saying, Job, this is you. He is torn from the tent in which he trusted and is brought to the king of terrors. In his tent dwells that which is none of his. Sulfur is scattered over his habitation. His roots dry up beneath him. His branches wither from above. In other words, there's no future for you, Job. Your whole future is destroyed. His memory perishes from the earth, and he has no name in the street. He is thrust from light into darkness and driven out of the world. He has no posterity or progenity among his people and no survivor where he used to live. They of the West are appalled at his day, and horror seizes them of the East. Surely such are the dwellings of the unrighteous. Such is the place of him who knows not God. Wow. So now they're saying that Job is not righteous, and they're saying that Job does not know God. But remember chapter 1. Have you considered my servant Job, blameless in all his ways? Job knew God, and God knew Job, and God was proud of Job. Bad things happen to good people. But it's amazing how religion comes into the attack. It's amazing. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. When peace like a river attendeth my way 
When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say It is well With my soul Yeah Though Satan should buffet the trial should come Let this best assurance control That Christ has regarded my helpless state And has shed His own blood for my soul The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. This is the rapture. Something we look forward to. And, you know, when you see the events unfolding in the world today, any minute now, Jesus is coming. I see some of the horrible things happening in the world. And I just say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised imperishable. That's what this verse is talking about. Glorified bodies. And we shall be changed. All right, so this is, this is the glorified bodies. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Notice, when we get our glorified bodies, there's no more perishing. There's no more decay. Okay? Immortality, there's forever life in this new glorified body. See, the body that we live in right now began to die the instant we were born. Cells began to die. Organs began to decay. Uh, those telomeranes or whatever they call them on, the, on, your, uh, on your DNA, they began to get shorter and shorter. Your body began to die the moment you were born. But in that glorified body, there are no more cataracts. There is no more gallbladder stones. There is no more heart getting old. There is no more wrinkles on the skin. It is an imperishable body. It's going to be cool. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then it shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death, where is your victory? O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved brothers, therefore, because of what you know of the future, because see, you know the future. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not vain. Because we know the future, be steadfast, believer. Because you know the future, be immovable, believer. Because you know the future, always abound in the work of the Lord. Not well, when COVID's over, I'll start serving Jesus again. When COVID's over, I'll start my ministry again. No. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so you also are to do. All right, so this is regarding the offering for Jerusalem. This is the Romans 15 offering. This is the offering that Paul was going to take up to Jerusalem to bring healing between the Jew and the Gentile church. He said, now about the collection for the saints. He said, these are for the believers in, in, in Jerusalem. On the first day of every week, that's the Lord's Day. That is Sunday. 
Each of you should put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. This is what I call project-based giving. Project-based giving requires consistency. You do it every week. It requires saving. You store it. You bring it to God's house and you store it up. Okay? Each on the first day of the week, each of you put aside something. You, you've set something aside here to help with the work in Jerusalem. And you store it up. And thirdly, it's based on our level of prosperity. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. So that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul said, I don't want to be there and just stand there and raise money. Okay. Paul did not want to come to raise funds. He said, you know, that's, that's not a good thing for me to do. He said, so why can't you just have the discipline of every week putting something in the envelope, and I'm using our terms today, Every week you put something in the envelope designated for the Jerusalem saints. And every week you just set it aside. Every week the church just sets that aside as a designated fund. And then when I get there, there'll be no need to talk about raising funds. He said, when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Now notice, this is all about a project a project that requires consistent giving over a period of time. It was a big project. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Well, evidently it did. And so Paul said, we'll all go together. But he said, you know, the, these people that you want to, to supervise this, he said, I have no problem with that. You want somebody to come travel with us to make sure this makes it to Jerusalem? Said, I got no problem with that. Paul was very transparent about how funds were handled. All right, let's go to Proverbs for a little bit of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28. The hope of the righteous brings joy. The hope of people that live right brings joy. Hope brings joy. Did you hear that? But the expectation of the wicked will perish. Now, New Living Translation, the hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. Now, you have to understand that wicked people still have big desires. You know, unsaved people, Christians living in sin, they still have big desires. They have big dreams, but um, those dreams come to nothing. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless but destruction to the evildoers. So God's ways. God's ways will bring protection to the blameless, and God's ways will bring destruction to those who are doing evil. 
So you, sometimes you have to sit back and watch. You wonder, I wonder who's right here. Well, all right. Who seems to be protected and growing and who seems to be falling apart and being destroyed? Okay. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. Oh, what an incredible statement. The righteous will never be removed. When, you're, when you live, I didn't say you're perfect, but when you live right with God, you know what? You're like Velcroed to the will of God. Nothing's going to move you. But people that don't live right, you know what? They lose. They lose the blessings. They don't see the promises of God fulfilled. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut off. Now, look at, look at what the, the New Living says. The mouth of a godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. When people speak words of deception, when they twist the words and they twist the facts, those tongues will be cut off. You don't need to fight with these people. But a godly person gives wise advice. Now look at that last part. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Look at New Living. The lips of the godly speak wow. Speak helpful words. You, you want to know if a person lives a godly life or not? Are they speaking helpful words? But the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words, twisted destructive words. All right, so when you're trying to figure out who to listen to, are they speaking helpful words or are they speaking perverse words? Wow. Now you got some decisions you have to make. All right. Oh, we're going to see you tonight. We're going to have a great time there tonight. We'll see you then, 7 o'clock sharp.